0: What's up, everyone? Welcome to a brand new edition of Nerd Thug Radio, the 18th best show that you're definitely going to hear in some form this weekend.
1: In some form. Now, what what forms are you talking here?
0: Uh, It could be anything from Morse code, text to audio, the actual podcast itself. I mean, it could be anything. It could be anything. Uh, The world has given us options. And uh, we're just two of them. I'm Corey D.L.G. And with me as always is little brother Nico. That's me. And uh, yeah, I mean, they could choose to hear us in our natural form. But maybe they don't want to. Maybe they don't want
1: to. So you're telling me it was a good idea to hire that interpretive dance team to translate all our episodes.
0: That and the sign language interpreter, I think, was a big get for us. Big get.
1: (laughs) Sign language interpreter for the audio-based show.
0: That's right. So you can check her out on Spotify Def. It's a uh, special channel for the special people.
1: It's got to be a hard get. It's like, oh, I'm from the radio. It's like, well, I'm deaf. It's like, oh, that doesn't help anyone.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They'd be like, what's radio? Do you think they just don't teach, like, people things that they don't need to, like... I'm like sure you, I'm sure they know it exists. Like, like if what's you were this thing in a car? Blind, would they even, like, introduce the concept of colors? Like, how would they explain that to you?
1: No. Because, like, I forget what it was. There's a video where, like, kids are trying to explain colors to... They're like, have you ever seen red? And they're like, I've never seen anything.
0: <laughs> well, that that's going to make this really hard, because red is something I've seen before. Right. <laughs> but radio is only something you've heard. Like, isn't it the exact same concept?
1: Yeah, I guess. But, like, you you probably like, seen
0: a radio before. Yeah, they saw it, but, but, what does this do? Don't worry about it. You're never going to need it. <laughs> it's a hearing people problem, buddy. It's a fair point. Just thinking out loud. I'm just curious. That's all. Just curious. Uh, yeah, lots going on. We talked about a lot of stuff last week. There's some stuff we never even got to last week, so we can kind of pick up on that. There's just so much going on in the world. What do you, um, anything you want to start with? How was your week? Uh,
1: Pretty boring, honestly. Uh, Not a whole lot happening on my neck of the woods.
0: Okay, all right. You fill me with such motivation every time we speak. I I appreciate that. Anyways, I'm always here for you, buddy. (laughs) Uh, we won't go into too much detail about this, but I did have a scary moment last week. I had to call nine one one at work for uh, for somebody; they were having a medical issue. Crazy. It's crazy. It's a very weird thing to have to do. Uh, also, I feel like there's some inefficiencies to the nine one one system because because like the guy was asking me questions that only the person in need of medical help could answer. You know, right. like, oh, like, where is the pain located? Are they having pain in their abdomen or here or there or whatever? So, like, as they're kind of going through their list of questions, like, I don't know, like, how do you answer those things if, like, someone's just unresponsive? Like, you just like, I don't know, I walked up and they're just not, they're not, they're not, like, awake.
1: Well, I think you probably lead
0: with that one. Well, and and I, like, so this person was kind of in and out, and so I led with that, and they were, they they still were asking me questions to ask them. I think mostly it was helping get information but also kind of trying to keep that person engaged and awake but like it felt kind of like you're bothering somebody at a restaurant or something
1: <laughs> hey is this good are you all right yeah i, I don't mean, water. Listen, listen
0: i see you've had the croissants already do you want more croissants or do you do you need more croissants how we're gonna get you more croissants so i knew you were talking to the other person at the table but let me get you more croissants like you felt... chips any appetizers yeah right. anything else what about uh have you guys ordered yet oh your drinks you want drinks like it just felt very like, hey, I know you're going through something, but uh, what about this? And they're like, no. Okay, they said no. And then they have another question for me. <laughs> they, have, they have this. a list. Make like,
1: sure what? you push the fish.
0: Right. I was like, why, why, why am I asking them about the Gilmore Girls season finale? And then he's like, I just thought it was very, I didn't like it. I didn't like it.
1: I need I need other people to confirm my opinion. I feel like I'm losing my mind.
0: <laughs> and I was like, "Is this still nine one one or am I on Netflix's hotline? What is this?" But no, it was it was kind of an odd oh, thing. Oh man,
1: <laughs> how bad you feel? You think you're on the phone in nine one one after you hang up? there, like, "And it was a reality show. It's like this person's in trouble. You yeah, guys like, are you
0: guys are in real This person really needs assistance. Uh, yeah, that would have been good. Yeah, it was definitely like a weird, scary moment. Um." Everybody handled it well, though, and it, it seems like everything turned out okay. But, I mean, yeah, kind Scary. of a weird game. Scary stuff. Though. You definitely don't wake up thinking, like, oh, today I'm going to dial 911. So, that was kind of an odd moment. That was for well, sure. Well, I feel
1: like there's, the people go their entire lives without having to do that. Like, I still haven't had that happen to me.
0: And I've done it more than once. Hey, look at that. Probably five or six times, honestly.
1: Yeah, that's a big number. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I'm a dangerous guy, Nico. I, I find myself in situations where lives are in Ooh. the balance. Living on the edge. You could say I'm the George Clooney of everyday living. <laughs> What's that even mean? Uh, I think you know. I think you know.
1: I, I Honestly, you got me with that one. I don't know what
0: <laughs> that means at all. Well, do you like apples? This is a weird... Stop asking me weird George Clooney questions. I don't know <laughs> How do you like them apples?
1: I'm throwing myself in the sun.
0: <laughs> um, it was your birthday a couple weeks ago. We went to a free concert. Did you, did you have a good time? I did.
1: I did have a good time. That was a very interesting show. You, you, uh, four, three opening acts, which is the first time I've ever seen that.
0: Yeah, three opening acts is kind of a lot. They were all fun, though. Like I had a good time, but they, it was a lot but they were very efficient in kind of getting set up and in, in, in and out, right? Like, I feel like there wasn't a lot of downtime downtime.
1: No, not really. I, I, hilariously enough, when we first got there, uh, they were playing a lot of, like, rap music at, like, a pop punk show. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I had commented. I was like, it's very funny because these are very different genres. And, like, immediately after I said that, the next time they went on break, they were playing, like,
0: pop punk music. And I was like, ah, they got the memo. I see. <laughs> they, they remembered who was here do you think they were just like oh it's not it's not the wednesday show it's the tuesday show okay it would have been even funnier if like they played the same music the
1: entire time and then like that's just what they did because it makes the show that was going on the day after just like young the giant even funnier
0: (laughs) it is weird to think that like someone's gonna go watch young the giant they're gonna be playing snoop Dogg between sets right you know like that feels weird uh, yeah that was a that was a, that was a good show I had a lot of fun uh you saw a little bit of a the Matt Corey in action have you have, have you ever seen Matt Corey in action
1: Matt Corey are you talking about you're talking of women yeah <laughs> yeah I've seen it a couple of times I'm honestly always impressed
0: the man's got game Nico the man's got game I mean, you you, you could have fooled me. <laughs> i had a lot of fun at that show and then i started thinking about it the other day so yellow card basically while they were up there the lead singer basically laid it out that like they'd broken up as a band five years ago uh this show was the biggest show they'd ever played in houston as a headliner um i started thinking about it and i was like that can't be true but then i started i realized that That whole Ocean Avenue year, they probably were on Warp Tour. Like, they had probably already committed and signed a Warp Tour. And yeah, they probably didn't headline their own tour at all back then.
1: Which is really weird to think about.
0: It's kind of a missed opportunity, right? Like, because that wound up being their biggest moment.
1: Right, but like, kind of like a one-hit wonder. Like, there's other Yellow Card songs that are popular, but nowhere near...
0: Yeah, that Ocean Avenue song has like probably it's five or six singles that, that legitimately got radio rotation. Uh, one of the songs was on a Madden video game. Like They had like, from that Ocean Avenue album, there are probably six songs that are known quantities. Right. Now, the Exclu- rest of the albums that they made probably have one or two songs. If that. Yeah, if that. I think there's a whole album that uh, people just kind of ignore. Although, you notice in the the lighting, they had that one song that actually had like an animated story in it. Mm -hmm. That, I think, is from like their Shadows and Monsters album or something. And that one, like every song, every music video was like a weird animated, like creepy thing. But I don't think anyone ever really bought or listened to that album.
1: You're just like, no one listens to this. Why does it they? it's it's one of those things where like you put a bunch of effort into something and then no one no one no one sees it. No one's like no one's on board.
0: Yeah, you're kinda like, Man, I just uh built like, the world's most intricate popsicle stick uh recreation of Astroworld. World. And people are just like, That's weird. Don't do that.
1: <laughs> like that was cool, I guess. Like there's someone who's like really into it, but it's it's the minority. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, I did. I really enjoyed. I really enjoyed that. Uh, that show. That was a lot of fun. There was, uh, y- you know, I didn't. I was like Mayday Parade. I-, I was thinking to myself, like, I think I only know one of their songs, but they went out and they played like eight, a really good, solid like eight song set that was really enjoyable.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a lot of music where I hadn't
0: heard. Like, I had heard of the bands, but never listened to them. Yeah, story of the year, I really only knew like two of their songs. And it was the one they opened with and then the one they finished with. Look at that. End.
1: Perfectly nailed. You knew really, beginning in the really and
0: the end. That really was. And the opener opener was really funny. The music was good, but then also just they were having fun. They kept calling themselves different things. Yeah. The rock and roll dashboard confessional. You know, like things like that. Like I thought I thought they were really kind of having fun with it
1: this wildlife it's just like two
0: guys yeah that's that's the kind of band we would wind up being what do you mean Corey? that is the band we are now (laughs) that's true that's true that's that is fair we are the entertaining version of david copperfield
1: right we're just we're just here having a good time
0: we are we really are yeah i uh i I had a good time with that show and i really kind of left it thinking like the things that they had said during it really kind of left me going, like, they kind of had a weird career, like, a weird moment.
1: Yeah, and the, the fact that they're back together after all this time is kind of wild.
0: Yeah, that's got to be a weirder thing, too. But a couple bands that I know, like, have done that. Like, they spend, they spend enough time apart where they forget why they all hate each other. And they're like, honestly, like, but, like, your attitude on stuff changes, too, over time, for sure. You know, I'll be turning 40 here in a couple of weeks. And there's so much stuff that I cannot be bothered to care about anymore that when I was 20, I would have fought you to the death about. Right. The hills you choose to die on are much different. <laughs> they really, really are. And so, yeah, I don't know. I was thinking about it. Like, I was like, we had a lot of fun. Like, that was a really good show. But then it started kind of really thinking about, like, what a weird – because that album was huge at the time. Like, that was a big album. And then for them to say that this was the biggest show they ever headlined, yeah, because there's a, there's a good amount of people there, but not like
1: not so many
0: that you would think that like oh they could have never topped this.
1: Yeah, like this is the biggest show you've ever done. That's crazy.
0: Yeah, because I mean, how many people do you realize? Like seven thousand, nine thousand. I don't know, not that many. You don't think? You don't think that? I think probably
1: close to. No, I th- no, I mean like. I meant like not that many in like terms of a like concerts.
0: Oh no, like, no, 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 no! But I mean, like, how many people there at the show? Do you think?
1: Oh yeah, probably yeah, probably in that
0: range. And like, that's the biggest show they've ever headlined. That's crazy. It's weird to think because they have legitimate, like that album, those legitimate bangers.
1: Yeah, and look, it, it came eventually. True,
0: eventually so mean, it all came around. That's true.
1: Seven or eight thousand people.
0: How would you feel if you were in a band and it's twenty years later before anyone notices that like you're in, that you're fun to go to? I don't
1: know. Like, I guess it's some dedication because you've been doing it for so long, or like you took a break and now people are catching on, so now you're back in it.
0: Right? Because that's what they did. They played for fifteen years straight, and then they were so tired of each other, they all quit. And then this album got some traction, and they they kind of said, "Okay, well, let's play some songs."
1: It's got to be a weird feeling. It definitely has to be a weird feeling, right? Because, like... Like, what do you do after that? Like, you had to, like, get back on the day job? Like, what do you even do? (laughs) Yeah, I don't even know, man. Like... Like, what's your work history? Oh, I see. I toured with... I I toured uh, with Yellow Card for about 10 years. It's like, what?
0: Well, okay. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you the ones I know. So, for my buddy's band, Ludo, and they're back together right now and recording and working on stuff, but they took a break pretty similar, several years. Um... One of the Tims wound up. He wound up. Uh, no, maybe. No, maybe that's not one of the Tims. No. No, it was a guy who played the Wawa. I don't remember his name now. The Woog. The Woog he played. The keyboard that does special effects. Yeah. Uh, he wound up hosting uh, LA, LA Radio. So Whoa. he's somewhere doing doing L.A. radio out there. Um, and then, obviously, my buddy uh, Palermo, who we went to school I went to school with in Little League Soccer and all that, when we all got together for Patrick's wedding a few years back, he was an organic farmer. <laughs> like, you see, just, like,
1: radio kind of makes sense. Organic farming? Couldn't have seen that one coming. It's just
0: kind of odd stuff. Just odd stuff, for sure. But, um... Yeah, I I know they're all working on new stuff right now. So I guess you know, I guess they decided to let's try it one more time. But it was almost a very similar timeline. It's been a few years. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't know. Like I guess you kind of try and find where you can fit in and, and, and stay active. Like I know for a little while, Matt Palermo tried to stay out in L.A. and was like a session drummer. So you know when you would book studio time, if you needed to hire a drummer, the studios. Have guys they call, and he was one of them. And so he would get like a day rate for playing drums that day, uh, and it's a good gig. Like it's good money to, to 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 be on the call list for the studios, but it's not a. It's gonna be weird to
1: be like, look, I paid you that song. I believe there was on that song.
0: <laughs> well, that okay. So that sort of happened. I won't say the name of the band. Um, however, they were touring while they were recording. And some of the tracks they recorded in certain studios, when they would get sent in to the producer, they weren't great, the audio quality. And Palermo was working the studio for a couple days with someone else, and the producer was just looking for a drummer, like up and down the different studios. And he grabbed Palermo, and Palermo did the drums for two of the tracks on the album. Uh, uncredited, but, but they're forever the
1: drums. uncredited, but forever immortalized.
0: It's... Right, and that happens sometimes, right? Like the producer, you know, is not happy with the quality, so he just gets it redone real quick. You know, it's the same. It's drums, right? Like I don't want to say it that way, but it is what it is.
1: I mean, like everyone's got a style, but like if there's if there's, someone's already written it down, like it's not like
0: yeah, you're just copying what's already been done before, just getting the quality better. Yeah, yeah. Um but yeah it, it it happens. It's weird out there, man. It really is.
1: Weird and wacky world. That's true.
0: Uh I did I did finish The Witcher. Did we talk about this at all?
1: Uh you talked about it to me, but I don't think we talked about it on the show.
0: The, I it was it was bad. This season is a waste.
1: Yeah, that's what that's what that's what a lot of people said. They're like, This cost Netflix how much money? This show sucks. <laughs>
0: Well, if this is Henry Cavill's last season, this was a waste of his talents as uh, Gertrude or whatever his name is. Geralt. Geralt. Um, it just wasn't – it just – it was slow. What they built to wasn't that like groundbreaking. I don't know. I just – I was expecting something more, and, and it didn't really deliver. Uh, also like every, at the end of each season, they, they've changed the status quo and they do that every season. And I just, the change that happened this year couldn't have been less important to me. Could not have cared less.
1: What do you mean? It's a different guy now.
0: (laughs) Well, that too, but like the situation, like politically in the show that changes, I, it doesn't, I couldn't care less. I hate it. It didn't. Didn't move the needle for me at all um I just you
1: and plenty other people it seems that this has been the, the universally like I remember when this show came out the first time of season one people people loved it
0: that oh, it was awesome let me okay I don't uh I'll say it this way Season one was great because it it was like this brutal but intense version of like Game of Thrones it felt like where. You know, it was barbaric, it was sexy, it was magical, it was adventurous. Like, it, 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 there was really interesting stuff happening. Even last season, as Ciri is learning to be the last Witcher or the new Witcher, or whatever you want to call it, um, it was intriguing what they were learning and what they were doing. But then this season, I don't know if it... I don't know. It just sucked. It just wasn't... First of all, they could have built up her as a monster hunter a lot more, but they don't. Uh, They could have just had more sex and violence in it if they they were going to make The Witcher, but they didn't. Uh, It was just a lot of just kind of dragging. And it just wasn't a a great show. It wasn't great.
1: Didn't enjoy it. Which is funny because the uh, I don't know if you saw this, the I think it was the director, the producer, one of the producers. I think it's the director who basically said that the reason this season is bad is because they had to dumb the show down for American audiences. Real quote, by the way. Really? Yeah. So he
0: thinks that that's what we wanted to see. Right. Does he not understand? Like, I don't think it's really. Can, can, I, can I be honest? I don't think it's that complicated to make a show that a bunch of people will watch on TV. I think if you're going to do a show in this fantasy setting, uh, sexy people, sexy time, violence, cool visuals. I think that's all you have to have. Yep. Didn't have any of that this time.
1: Dumb it down for American audiences.
0: What a, what a jerk. What an absolute jerk. Like, we're the reason the show sucked. I think the show sucks because they don't know how to write a show.
1: Yeah, it seems that way. Uh, apparently, that's been a thing creeping up. Because uh, that was the, the director for Secret Invasion. Now that it's over, people are... people are. I've seen so many videos about how bad this show is. Uh,
0: the Witcher is it's just not good. Now, I'll say this. I watched Secret Invasion. Also not good.
1: Yeah, uh, the director for that one said that it's not his job to please fans. Real what? quote. Yep, it's not his. It's not. It's not his. It's not his job to meet fan expectations.
0: Okay, now one of those is different than the other. I agree, it's not his job to meet expectations. I think it is his job though to entertain. Correct. Yeah, I don't matter. <laughs> those are some bold quotes
1: Uh, it's it's people getting people getting weird about it man it's it's not even taking direct to like because you don't like I get it like you make something you don't want to be like all right this sucks but like any like any like there's a million ways to say like you know this is what I wanted to make and you know it clearly didn't go well with the fans and you know that
0: or I'm we sorry we had different visions for this. Or, or we didn't get what we were trying to get on screen. Right. There's, there are tons of ways to really kind of... But to blame the audience is, is, is not good. Yeah,
1: it was it, it's not good. So what did you think of Secret Invasion? You're saying it's not good.
0: Um. Well, first of all, I, I couldn't think of a more boring six episodes than what they wrote what they put together which is crazy because the scrolls is a terrifying concept (laughs) it really is and honestly they could i yeah i'm not even gonna tell them how to save it like it was bad it was just bad and there's a million things they could have done and what they decided to do was do super scrolls and have the two scrolls fight at the end and now amelia clark has the powers of every character who's ever been in the marvel universe um it's just it's stupid it's dumb Like, why? Like,
1: Marvel's obsession with having the, the
0: final battle be between two people with the same powers. I don't know. I don't, like, in Iron Man and stuff, it makes sense because it's like the two sides of the coin. The industrialist and the philanthropist kind of fighting. I get it. Captain America, Winter Soldier, I get it. Uh, yeah, this one, though, it was a letdown, man.
1: Yeah, and, like, the, the screen is, like, the, the VFX aren't great. The fact that they basically reduce Nick Fury down to, like, well, Nick Fury's nothing without his super secret network of super spies.
0: Well, part of that I understand. Like, if you got booped for five years, it would be hard to rebuild a network, like, a, a network of spies. I get that part. But the other thing that was supposed to make Nick Fury... I don't know, dangerous or interesting or however you want to phrase it. The other thing that really is supposed to, to make him that thing is his kind of planning ability, his foresight. You know, really, he's supposed to be like a slightly less cooler Batman. But, like, totally unprepared for the idea that the scrolls that he's harboring would turn against humanity. That should be something he was always planning for.
1: Yeah, that should be. That's like contingency number one. Hey, these people I'm helping out aren't always going to be on my side. Yeah, what if these people betray me? Should have
0: been thing one.
1: Especially when they're shapeshifters.
0: Like, I don't. Yeah, you got to wonder is that. Okay, let me ask you this question. In the context of a universe where everything exists, like a Marvel universe. It is kind of racist to assume shapeshifters can't be trusted, right? Uh, yeah, a little bit. Because, I mean, like, there's that's like... It's like, so?
1: Like, everyone's got weird powers. Right. You this see- guy can shoot ice and is effectively not even
0: human anymore. <laughs> right. That guy's not even a person.
1: Uh, He's a conscious will that exists that can manipulate ice.
0: Manipulate the temperature.
1: Yeah, manipulate temperature and crystallize things. That's not even a person anymore. <laughs> right.
0: Yeah, I think on some level it is a little... Maybe maybe racist isn't the right word, but a little poor taste to be like, oh, well, obviously the shapeshifters are going to betray us. However, obviously the shapeshifters are going to betray you.
1: Yeah, especially when their whole gimmick is like, stealing people yeah. and replacing them? Like, because it'd be one thing it'd be like, oh, they just shapeshift to get out of situations. It's like, no, they actively assume
0: people's identities. Well, even in the show, they do it. So even in the show, he would have them find people who were, like, gonna die soon, and maybe didn't have a lot of family, and then he would have them, that's that's how they assumed Earth identities. Terrible. Yeah. So, like, they were stealing lives, and he didn't see that coming?
1: Yeah, like, you're already already telling them to do this thing. Like, they're just expanding on what you thought. And, like, so many people are like, it's so obvious who the scrolls are, which is the most disappointing thing on the planet. The entire point of the secret invasion is that you don't know who to trust.
0: Right. I would say the one that was surprising in the sense of, like, the MCU continuity type stuff. Uh, is probably it's probably James Rhodes. Also, the idea that Nick Fury's wife was a scroll. Spoilers, I suppose.
1: Spoiler alert! Yeah, show that's bad and universally panned. Yeah,
0: the lowest rated Marvel anything, by the way. Yeah, I saw that. I did see that. I, I mean, listen, they weren't they weren't gonna hit home runs forever. Okay, at some point. They were going to struggle with something.
1: It just sucks that they they screwed up the thing they could have easily done. Like, to me, The Secret Invasion should have been, like, a movie. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. Like, I'm really struggling with the fact that, like, Marvel keeps picking the wrong things to be shows.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Loki really should have been a movie.
1: Like, even Loki... I think the best, the singular best Marvel show was WandaVision, and it's simply because the formatting fits the, the idea show, like yeah. the idea of the show, like pitch perfect.
0: I agree. That I think Miss Marvel was a good TV show.
1: Miss Marvel could would have been a
0: great ninety minute movie. <laughs> uh, yeah, probably, yeah, probably, probably. But I, I think <laughs> they were able to do a little bit more as a show. They introduced a few more characters. Um, But I will say the Marvel, the Captain Marvel's movie looks really good.
1: I just, I to me, it always felt like they picked the ones that should have been movies, or the things that should have been movies they made into shows, and things that should that they made into movies should have been shows. Yeah, it's hard to argue that for this one. Like again, like my perfect example was like, uh, like Moon Knight could have easily been a movie. Yeah,
0: it would have been a really good movie. It really it would have been,
1: been. would have been an awesome movie. And like the Eternals, like you didn't need all the the crazy cast on that one. Like you could have made that like a really down to earth show. Make it like ten episodes long because you are introducing eight characters.
0: <laughs> uh, yes, they could have, except it probably wouldn't have had that awesome fight scene in it.
1: No, and like I
0: get it, but like. <laughs>
1: It's funny now that, like, now that the Flash movie exists, like, people are, like, pointing that out to be, like, the best speedster fight. Yeah. Well, it was.
0: And everyone thought the Flash would be better, but it wasn't. Tragedy.
1: It was never going to be better. The Flash movie was was two breadsticks (laughs) held together
0: by hopes and dreams. It definitely wasn't good. It wasn't. Um... We got two more things I kind of want to get into here. One of them is an exciting announcement, uh, Nico. We're going to be we're going to be launching the sports show again through this football season.
1: Oh, fancy!
0: Yeah, we're going to cover all the football, and we're probably going to talk soccer too, because the MLS is kicking off, and I'm excited about the messy thing. I think it's worth getting into and talking about.
1: Also, one of the funny
0: there's a player on the on the Miami, Miami. team
1: that was like. Messi come. can't wait for him to be here. And then the very next video, is like, they traded me.
0: <laughs> well, I
1: forgot who it was, but it was
0: one of the funniest things I'd seen all week. Keep waiting, buddy.
1: <laughs> but like, could you imagine, like, you're like, really? He's he signed to my team? I get to be here? And it's like, you're being traded. No. <laughs> yeah.
0: It's actually your roster spot that he's taking. Uh yeah, that's gotta hurt.
1: <laughs>
0: Just sink into your heart. <laughs> gotta hurt real bad. Um so a couple of fun and exciting things that are gonna happen. By the time you hear this episode on Friday, the NFL season will have kicked off with preseason week one. The Texans at Patriots kicks off this whole year. So that's gonna be a fun preseason game. I'm excited about that. I think the Texans are are moving in a really solid direction. I think the two picks that they made in the draft at the top of the draft were bold, and I think it gets the Texans moving in a real direction. Uh, I'm excited. I'm excited. Will Anderson's a big deal. Uh, CJ Stroud's a big deal. Um, I'm excited for what the Texans do this year. All that being said, there's a bunch of national storylines that we're going to get into next week, but one that I think bears talking about because I think the first episode of Hard Knocks is going to drop here soon is talking about the Jets. They traded for Aaron Rodgers, and just as importantly, they reunited him with his former offensive coordinator, which is who was hired to be the head coach for the Broncos and proved that he is a terrible head coach. Terrible head coach.
1: Tragedy he will, struck.
0: He will probably never head coach again. Oh,
1: 100%. I don't, I don't think after the performance there anyone would even think about hiring
0: him for that position. It was clear he was out of his depth. It really was. It genuinely was. And Sean Payton is the new coach of the Broncos. And he basically tried to make a comment along those lines that like, because I think some of the questions from the media were sort of like, how are you going to turn this around? And he kind of basically just said the last guy was terrible. I don't need to turn anything around. I just need to do my job. And this team will instantly be better. Uh that's necessarily wrong however Aaron Rodgers took offense and kind of defended his guy a little bit the the guy uh, Nathaniel Hackett like his he's he's really said nothing about any of it like he's kind of laid low however you know Sean Payton's taking shots at him now because he was that bad it was it wasn't good
1: Yeah, it was. It was. It's one of the most apparent like times where a coach has just been that bad. Like, usually, like, people will point to like records and like things like that to be like, oh, this coach is bad. But like, the layman could be like, oh, this isn't good. He's not good.
0: (laughs) Well, I think the 18 delay game penalties week one kind of set the tone. Yeah. I, I, I got to be honest, after probably like the third or fourth delay of game, if you don't know how to get a play call in fast enough to let your offense line up with time to spare, you're in trouble as a franchise.
1: Yep. And they were. They did not great that
0: year. They did horrible. <laughs> yeah, they did. they did. They did really bad. Um, but so now with Sean Payton there, they try to make a lot of changes. But for me, I think one of the big stories is the Jets and Aaron Rodgers. The idea that reuniting Aaron Rodgers with Hackett is going to help them both. And also the idea that it's going to be there in the New York, uh, in front of the New York media for the JETS Jets, Jets, Jets. I think that that's kind of a. I mean, it's possible. It's not impossible. It's totally possible. How long will he do it and at what level? That's kind of the tough part to be seen. But it sounds like he knows that they gave up a fair amount to get him, and therefore he wants to honor and impress that a little ways.
1: Yeah, instead of trying to fight for his life over in Green Bay
0: where they hated him for no reason. Yeah, really. I mean, really did. Um, so part of him coming over to the New York Jets was the way his contract was structured coming into the season is next year the Jets would have owed him like $100 million against the Caps. Uh, he went ahead and fixed that so that that isn't gonna be the case. but it was but it was interesting to me that he could somehow, while with the packers of all teams, sign a deal that would be that comprehensive, like that protective. Yeah, I don't know.
1: They really wanted him, I guess the Jets have been bad so bad for so many years yeah they really have been it's just, it's just like one of those moments where it's like I'll do anything please <laughs> please just yeah so he did
0: give back like 60 million in salary to make all this work and to make it happen I mean like he's i honestly he's probably
1: made enough he's made more money than people's lifetimes like he's fine <laughs>
0: Uh I don't like to do that, I think you're probably right, but I am uncomfortable when we sort of speak for them and be like they don't need it. Maybe they do you know i don't i don't I don't know maybe maybe i,
1: I don't I don't know what he needs. my point is that he's been in the league long enough that he won't like he's fine, yeah, no,
0: I do agree with that i do i do and i think he's he not, knows... he's, not, he's
1: not a he's not a rookie getting out of the league he's got no he's got nowhere to go after this.
0: Well, and, like, there, there was talk of, uh, you know, like, how long could he do this? And I do think it's going to be for a while. I think he's going to come over to the Jets. I think he's going co- to play for them for probably close- – every year past, like, three is a massive bonus for them. And I could conceivably see him maybe going five years. Yeah, easily. But he, be- he would be pretty old by then.
1: Yeah, but I mean like the way he plays, he doesn't really need to be like super like he's not he's not a right quarterback. He's he'll be fine. This is true. This is true. Uh
0: so I watched a documentary on Netflix that I thought was really impressive, very honest, and I'm going to go ahead and say that the person that they featured was brave to do a, to do a shot with them. To do, to do a show with him. The Netflix show. Um, Johnny Manziel. Oh yeah. The story of Johnny Football. I was genuinely impressed with the honesty. And the forthrightness that he kind of came forward with. Um, I think he showed real bravery by being honest and telling his story and like he doesn't, he doesn't shy away from any of the mistakes. And some of them, he attributes to like everyone just over exaggerating and nitpicking because he is who he is. And on some level, that's probably sort of true, but not what you want to hear from somebody who's, you know, taking blame for their life. Uh, but on some of them, he just flat out is like, yeah, so the one of the stories about him that, that was that was big at the time was that uh, he Cleveland had some downtime before a game. He left the facility and he got in his head that he could get to Cleveland gamble and fly back home before anyone would notice.
1: So he when not he, make that he
0: <laughs> Yeah, so when he got to Vegas and he's doing his thing. He, he recalls by betting big and, and, and getting on a run in blackjack. And then all of a sudden, he has to go up to the room to try and organize the flights and all that. And lo and behold, he can't get a flight back. And he has to cancel it. Oof. So then all of a sudden, he's in Vegas. And he's supposed to be in Cleveland for a game in the morning. And he's not going to be. So he just says F it and he just parties hard. I mean it's probably the most honest thing I've ever heard someone like admit to on something they did wrong that was famous. Because the Browns basically drop him like a week later. Yeah. I though was really impressed with the honesty of it, where it was like yeah, we we went out, and I, you know, I had talked myself into that I would be able to, you know, phone home or whatever when this is over, and that wasn't the case. Yeah,
1: I mean, someone just step step in front and be like, "Look, this is I made it. I, I messed up," and it's kind of an important, I think, story to tell as well because it's not you know i feel like every sports documentary is always very positive it's always covering you know legends and people who are so good and so talented or we'll, work so hard to be there or trying
0: really hard to paint them in a favorable light yeah this one is just super honest it's just brutally honest i i it talks about how his buddy and him set up a system using the loopholes of the NCAA, it's not against the law for Johnny Manziel to sign anything, but it is against the law for him to get paid for it. So they would pay the buddy, not Johnny Manziel, and the buddy would give the cash to Johnny Manziel's grandfather, who then would write a check to Johnny Manziel, and that was how they handled it. Um, most interesting of this... One of the things that I find fascinating, a story that I had long heard about him was that his parents came from money, and that's where a lot of his money comes from. That's why he could fly for free. That's why he could fly private. That's why he could go hang out with LeBron James after, you know, after a game one night and then show up hungover to practice. It was all because he, you know, uh,
1: His family was
0: wealthy is what everyone said. His family came from like old, old oil money. Turns out complete lie. It's a lie that they started him and his buddy and they they were telling people so that they could continue signing stuff for money and accepting the gifts and accepting the travel and accepting the briberies and the donations without anyone getting in trouble.
1: That's really smart, but very dark.
0: It's super smart, but it's incredibly... First of all, it's, it should be embarrassing for the NCAA uh, that they just got outsmarted by two 19-year-old party boys. Uh, uh,
1: again, it doesn't take much. I hate the NCAA. Garbage organization. Thank
0: God they've changed their minds. Yeah, I... <laughs> it, there was a lot of, like... My hatred for the NCAA is very well documented. Well, and here was the interesting thing, is so is so is Johnny Football's Johnny Football flat out of the documentary he goes, I have a deep burning hatred for the NCAA. There's a massive double standard there. If you've Shame. ever played sports on a high level, you recognize the value of your name and your likeness, and they are just raking it in dollar over hand. Like he had a really solid point that, that they were the bad guys. Uh, it was they interesting. Are. It really was they, they are. <laughs> they are the bad guys. And now the NI adults are out there like, now you don't even need the NCAA. But it was just really fascinating the way he kind of – yeah, he he didn't – he was a little ahead of his time, but also because of that, he, he was lying. He was breaking rules, and he totally acknowledges it and kind of accepts it. Um, they talk about just different times where he had failures and breakdowns and – he went on a basically a $5 million bender to basically end his own life after he got cut from the Browns. Um, I mean, it was just, it was fascinating. It really was. And I think it's probably, like I said, probably one of the bravest documentaries I've seen someone make because he does not shy away from his own shortcomings in it. Like he does not shy away from where he screwed up. In all of this. Uh, the crazier part is he's still only like 30. 29, 30. He could probably still play in the NFL if he trained up to it. Um, but, like, it's just sort of fascinating in a lot of ways. What he went through, but also how he dealt with it. Because if it's true, it's impressive.
1: Right. <laughs> I mean, it's also really hard to tell, right? Like, as as honest as this documentary could be, like, I'm sure that he still wanted a little bit of, like, all right, well, it wasn't that bad.
0: (laughs) I mean, no, I'm sure there was... Maybe, but, like, I don't know. You got to watch it, because, like, he he certainly tells some stories that you would think would be embarrassing. Like, he gets into the court orders and the orders of protection and all the different stuff. He talks about how he... (laughs) He absolutely blew it with the Texans. The Texans had the number one overall pick that year in the draft. That's the year they took Jadavian Clowney. Uh, but what was fascinating was to get some FaceTime with the owner, who at the time, I don't remember who it was, but she uh, sponsored. Um... Oh, no, no, no. To get in touch. Okay, hang on. Hang on. Let me get this right the texans owner yeah okay so the texans owner was at, was at a charity event so johnny manziel using his own money went to the charity event made a big donation and also offered a prize to to like hang out with him so like really kind of trying to show his mature side to the owner of the texans who had the number 1 overall pick in that draft however the very next day he fell off the wagon again, and him and his boys went golfing. And by the time they made it to the fourth hole, it had made it back to Bob McNair that they were not wearing shirts, and they were breaking clubs over their knees, and they were acting just general fools in public. And <laughs> yeah, that uh, the agent that it was his agent at the time, it flashed it to him, and he goes, "There goes Houston." Oh. you love to see it. So, like, it, it is a very honest journey for Johnny Manziel in the story. And I and I really respect it. I really think it's a very brave... I know, like, sometimes people do mea culpas to try and, like, get your forgiveness so they can come back. But this documentary ends... I'll just flat out tell it because it's worth watching anyway. But this documentary ends... He's at home with his parents. He lives at home with his parents now. And he struggles to stay sober. And... This they interview the sister and she's like, I know everybody would love to see him come back and play, but like it took so much out of him to be that guy. He's just not ready to do that again. It would be awful for him to try and do that. Right. That's I mean, that's really brave.
1: Yeah, and it really shows the the ugly side of addiction that even even people who you think are on top of the world struggle with it. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Don't really about- come back.
1: Because like, it's not like he's like, oh, he's one success story away. It's like, no. like
0: No, he'll be lucky if he makes it to 70 just as a normal guy. Right. And I think that that's... First of all, I think it's incredibly sad because he's so talented. He is just so talented. But it's also really kind of. He knew and didn't care that he wasn't going to make it. Like, so self destructive. Uh, the Browns very quickly figured out he wasn't watching tape because they tracked the iPads and he had 0.00% of film watched. Like, not even one. The agent, like, didn't believe that. Like,. The Browns reached out to the agent and they're like, hey, he's not watching film. And the agent was like, of course he watches film. Like, he's a gamer. Of course he watches film. So he calls Johnny Manziel. They flash to him on camera and Johnny Manziel just kind of goes nope and holds up a big circle with his hand as if to say, no, I watched zero seconds of film.
1: Zero seconds.
0: Like, it's incredible how this whole thing went. It really is. But it, it was it is it is an interesting story. They talk about how like he's hanging out with Drake as a freshman in college. Like he's yeah, he's just living this dream life. Whereas nobody else, like no one else, could even get involved because right. he, was, he was just so untouchable back then. And that was he, other he part was, was, he, was no-
1: he was he was truly lightning. He just couldn't contain it.
0: You really couldn't. And what was interesting, okay, so Cliff Kingsbury was the offensive coordinator then. That winds up being the guy who just got fired from head coach of the Arizona Cardinals, okay? I was
1: like, that's, the name sounds very familiar.
0: Yes. And basically, the dad, this is sort of where the disappointment comes from. Uh, Johnny Manziel's dad is like, I expected the football coaches to turn my son into a man. Well, no, like, really, that should be your job. Like, your job is to raise your kid. Um, yeah.
1: That's kind of that's kind of a it's kind of like a blaming the teachers for your bad kid problem.
0: Yeah, it really is. But the other side of it was Cliff Kingsbury was like he needed that darkness to be a good quarterback. Like that's what he tapped into, that rage and that anger. That's what fueled him, so I wasn't gonna mess with it. And it's like there's never been a more clear sentence of somebody just saying, I'm using you. Than that, you know what I mean? That documentary, like, or that doc, like, it's so obvious that they were just using him to further their own goals. Because a And M just came into the SEC that year, and it's because of Johnny Football that they're even competitive and winning games. Right. So Cliff Kingsbury is going to ride that all the way to the top, regardless of how sober Johnny Football is to get him there. Right. Well, I mean, look where he landed a spot in the NFL and now he's fired from it. They all did. They all got fired. So I do think they all got what they deserved in that regard. Like it, it's obvious Cliff Kingsbury was never really a leader of men. It's obvious that, uh, you know, that. <laughs> yeah, like Cliff Kingsbury. I, it was really disappointing to listen to his sort of because he gave very candid answers, but some of the answers were really disappointing cuz you do want him to be a leader of men and it was clear that he was like yeah johnny wanted to go so johnny went
1: it's like you you tell him no like that's the whole point of authority and he's like dang that's tough yeah weird i don't know well we saw how that ended up i guess but he still made it he was still an nfl coach for 2 years or however long he was yeah at.
0: and then he got an extension and then fired the same year so like he got a lot of money all on the backs of these guys. Now they are talking about and we'll we'll get out on this. In Arizona they've got a new head coach and they talk about how like it's a massive cultural shift, how different everything is. People can't be late to meetings, blah, 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 blah. So that kind of just goes to show sort of the difference in attitude where like one guy, yeah, he could get a good amount out of, you know, a crazy talented quarterback like Johnny Football, but he couldn't motivate his employees. You. Just, it really was it was a weird thing uh, alright so all that said I, I, I encourage people to watch the documentary as always you can come hang out with us I'm at the adventure begins six days a week uh, make sure to, to like, follow, and subscribe to the podcast I want to thank everybody for listening and get ready, tune in next week we're going back to two hours a week right there on Friday and we're going to do the sports show pair right there with Nerd Thug Radio we're going to cover this uh, NFL weekend that's about to kick off Uh, we'll talk about the games that just happened last night, as well as a lot of other stuff that happened over the weekend. We're going to talk about the running back situation. We're going to talk about a lot of these guys. Uh, one thing you can watch on Netflix is the QBs or quarterbacks, whatever it's called. It really gave me a brand new perspective on a guy like Kirk cousins, um, who I've never had a lot of respect for, but this really changed my mind on him a lot. Um, so yeah, anyway, thanks for listening everybody. Everybody have a great, great weekend. And we will be back here next Friday doing the Nerd Thug Radio thing.